Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. And in case you missed it, we dropped a brand new stretching collection that can be used to improve mobility and bookend your favourite sweat sessions. Mamma Mia subscribers get unlimited access to Move and we drop new workouts every single week. If you're on the hunt for movement that makes you feel good, head to move.mamamia.com.au and use the code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. You're listening to a Mamma Mia podcast. Hello. Back, back <laughs> to two hellos. Makes you laugh. Hello, hello. <laughs> I'm Holly Wainwright. I'm, oh, sorry, I'm Andrew Daddo. Oh, and this is this glorious mess, Big Kids. Yeah, we missed the rehearsal today. We really we did. We really did, sorry. Um, and it's Mama Mia's podcast for parents who... Think they should do better, but no, they don't have to. And you'll understand exactly what that means by the time we finish the podcast. We're going to introduce you to someone who's got a terrific new book about just doing enough without doing too much. Exactly. I love it. In case you're wondering, uh, I am I work here at Mamma Mia. I have two kids. They are 11 and 8. They are getting so old. People tell me they've been listening to this show since I used to say, I've got Billy who's four and now he's eight. <laughs> anyway. Um, and I've got three. I've got 21, 19 and 17. We've got a really interesting situation at home at the moment about the car oh. being taken to school. Oh. So the youngest daughter, maybe this should be nailed and failed. Yeah, maybe, maybe you should this save out. it. I'll save it. You okay, save good. It. So we've got the gamut here. We've got kids who are driving and being grown-ups over there, and we've got mine who are still at primary school over here. But if you've got kids who are even littler, remember you can always listen to Little Kids, which is every Monday hosted by Lee Campbell and Tegan Natoli. On today's show... We're talking about a new idea. It's called Half-Ass Parenting. It's about doing half as much but getting twice the joy. Andrew, if you had to describe what your parenting style is, what would you say? Yeah, half-assed. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> no, um, no, no, mine definitely is. No, full ca- no I'm, we're full caring. But it's interesting that we've now gone through that full sport, full everything. The kids can definitely do their own, contribute in their own way, whether it's dinner or you know dessert or something like that, cleaning and stuff like that. So it's, it gets better. Is, I guess is what I'm saying. It de- although, Fields came home, so he's the 21-year-old, came home the other night, I wasn't here, and he'd been out all day on it. And so Drinking ki- with his friends. With his mates. And so they videoed him, right? And when he came home and he's got the guitar and he's doing Rasputin, but he wasn't playing <laughs> and he was just pretending to play. And it was really funny, right? He was a really good-natured, um, half-cut <laughs> young man. And then I spoke to him about it today and he goes, you know what? I thought I was fine when I came home. Oh, dear. <laughs> so, so this is what happens at the other yeah, end of parenting. Yeah. So interesting. It was good. It was Very nice. interesting. We are going to do our nailed and failed, but first we have a parenting dilemma. Parenting, parenting mentors. Do we get a cape? <laughs> now, Kim emailed us and she has a dilemma. You can do that anytime. Email us at tgm at mamamia.com.au with any questions that you might have for us who... You know, not experts as we always say, but a lot of experience. Mm. Kim writes, I have an almost 13-year-old son. He is very much an introvert. He loves his own company and could happily spend all weekend at home. He's an easygoing kid, does his schoolwork without being asked and is very responsible. 
My partner and I have differing opinions on how much we, as his parents, should push him to do a school team sport. He is not a sporty kid. He has absolutely minimal interest in running after a ball. His dad believes he'd feel left out of the group if most of the boys are part of a school team. On the other hand, I know my child. I'm worried that his lack of skills or interest result in him being made fun of and he'll lose confidence. I believe kids of this age should choose what activities they wish to do after school and forcing him to take part is not our role. My partner believes it's not normal for a child of his age to want to stay home and not socialise or engage in a team. And he guilts me into thinking I'm a slack parent for allowing it. To me, this is his personality. He's happy as he is, and I believe we should accept it. I would love your thoughts on this. Oh, Kim, I love this dilemma so much. Andrew, you go first. Well, just the term... He says it's not normal. It's not normal. Right, so which is fine. Like, But I don't think you can't any... can't say normal. Well, I don't, no, you should still be allowed to say normal. But I don't think anything is not normal anymore. And for the record, I think sport is fantastic. And if it sounds like Kim's concerned that he'll be teased if he's not good enough, but there is a team for the kids who is not who, who are not as good as the best kids. That's why teams go from the A team to the F team or the... Whatever it is, and you'll find, you know, he'll find. I think his level of like-minded, like-interested kids who may well love the game just for the sake of playing. The, 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 there's something about sport, I think, that is great for all of us. But what? So what you're saying though, because what Kim's asking is, if a son doesn't want to, yeah, should he be forced to? Yeah, okay. No, I'm not answering that question. What? <laughs> The question I'm answering, Holly, is... <laughs> I mean, forced is the wrong word, but, like, should they, he be strongly I, I encouraged I, to? I, I th- I th- if he's showing a violent, you know, a really emotional opposition to playing sports, then clearly that's, you know, it's not going to be good because he'll be fighting it the whole time. But if there's a vague interest and there's a team of other kids who are not that good... But there are sports teams who are terrible, kids' teams, and as they get older, they keep playing together. So you'll have a year 11, year 12 basketball team, and they... They are terrible, and they they front up every week. Sockets, you know, and they love it because it's about being part of something bigger than yourself, and that's what sport is good for—to be part of something bigger, to experience the elation of winning and the sorrow of losing, and it's all about being involved in something. I agree with you that I think that sport is great to teach kids about things that are bigger than themselves and teamwork and all those things, but. I don't think you should make your son play sport if he doesn't want to. Mm. I think one thing I've learned, I mean, my son's only eight, so different ball game, ball game, (laughs) but he doesn't want to play sport. And we've tried him in soccer. We've tried him in rugby. We've tried him in swimming and karate and all the things. And he has no interest in it. And we are not giving up. We're going to continue because, you know, physical activity is really important and he's very energetic and he runs around like crazy, but He's not that kid, right? There are kids, boys and girls, because my daughter is that kid, who love to chase a ball. Anytime there's a ball around, they're on it. They're competitive. They want to be in it and all those things. And I don't think you should make kids do things that they really don't want to do once they get to a certain age. And I think if Kim's son is 13 and he's happy, like it would be different, I think, if he was an introvert and he was in his room and he was miserable and anxious and, you know, wishing that he was out playing football, yeah. but he felt excluded from it because he wasn't good at it. But by from Kim's account, 
he's perfectly happy not playing football. So why would you try and make him do something he doesn't want to do because you think it's good for him? I say you don't have to make him play sport. Andrew says you should strongly encourage. You can decide which of us you to follow. Yeah, if there's a if there's a, <laughs> if there's a team for him to play in of like-minded's, he'll ha- it'll be great eventually. And if it's not, oh well. Oh, well. Do a bit of half-assed parenting, which is where we're going next. Yes. And if you would like to ask us a question, because we are so very wise, make sure to email us at tgm at mummy.com.au or you can call us on our pod phone and leave a message for us. 02 So we often joke on this show about how easy our parents had it when they were raising us. These days, it sometimes feels like we have more expectation, we have to be more hands-on, and we stress endlessly about the little things and whether or not we're meeting up to expectations. Well, our guest today sounds like my kind of parent, Andrew, (laughs) because Dr. Susie O'Brien... Just for the record... You've spent years trying to find the person to let you off the hook. I have spent years (laughs) searching for Susie, who we're about to talk to, because Dr. Susie O'Brien has written a book called The Secret of Half-Assed Parenting, Raising Kids with Half the Guilt and Twice the Joy. Welcome, Susie. G'day, Susie. Thank you very much. Now, as I say, you're singing my song, Half-Assed Parenting Sounds Great, but what is your definition of half-ass parenting? Tell us why you wrote this book. Well, for a long time, there's been something wrong with the way that we're raising our kids. We're not getting the joy out of it that we want to. We're so stressed. We're so time poor. It's so competitive. We're all sending ourselves crazy. So I started thinking, we need a new model of raising kids that takes the stress off kids and parents and lets us actually have fun again. So we need to stop being hyper parents and helicopter parents and cotton wool parents and become half-assed instead. So my definition of half-assed parenting is someone who is happy to be good enough. Not perfect, but good enough. You tune out the crazies, you trust your instincts and you let go of the high standards which you know you're never, ever going to meet. And it's not about doing half as much and you know letting down the team and neglecting your kids. It's knowing that being good enough is actually good enough mm. and um, it means releasing yourself from other people's standards and expectations and rules and it's saying, I'm going to actually do less parenting and what I do do I'm going to make count more are you talking Susie about like an old-fashioned well what we see as an old-fashioned notion of parenting well that depends how old you are (laughs) if you're as old as me it probably does because you know there's a huge gap now between the way that I was raised in Mm. the 70s and 80s and the way that I'm raising my own kids you know we used to spend four hours a day outside one hour a day inside I I don't reckon we did an exactly. unstructured time. I don't, I don't reckon we No, I think we think we did. I'm not sure. No, I did. Um, did you? But also unstructured time. Like yeah. it was just we got oh, home from school. Mm. And I know this makes us sound like we're being those old people <laughs> who are like, in my day. But I, and I grew up in a city in England, but we got home from school and we played in the street until mum yelled you in for tea. Yeah. Like that was, yeah. not, it was unstructured time. Is that the kind of thing that you were talking about? Yeah, because these days, you know, we've got our kids in so many activities, we're organising their play dates, and they just don't have time just to be, and of course, nor do we, because we're spending our weekends, 47 play dates, 16 birthday parties, and, you know, all these activities. And I'm saying, it's okay, parents, 
to say no. Just because they they want another basketball game, you don't actually have to say yes to it. The notion of um, not living up to other people's expectations, which I think is really interesting, I wonder if that's harder in reality than in word. Like, you know, if everyone around you is doing all these different things, what are your tips for actually doing for not doing those things within your own family unit? I think you've got to look at the impact it's having on you. If, in fact, you're flying through and getting it all done and don't mind going from place to place, then more power to you. Who am I to say that you shouldn't have your kids enrolled in 17 activities? But if, in fact, you're finding that the weekends are just this one big massive stress and you're hurtling down the freeway trying to remember which game, which kid, where you're meant to be... um, and, you know, there's no time just to be and just to hang and just to enjoy that downtime as a family or, you know, play hooky and just go to the beach for the day. Just do something together uh, rather than worrying, stressing about getting to the 4 15 ballet and the 6 15. Yeah. You know? and, and I live in Melbourne and so, you know, if we've got things that are on the other side of town, you know, there goes the night, you know, there go, it's not a yeah. country town. And so we have to have courage in our own convictions that enough is enough. It, we can't rely on other people to tell us how to raise our own kids. Susie, do you have some advice, I know you do in your book, about how to sort of start letting yourself off the hook with this stuff? Because you bring, in your book, you quote you quote the comedian Ali Wong, and I love this quote because it's so true and, and I've written about this a few times where she says it takes so little to be considered a great dad i.e. you just have to pick your kids up from school every now and again and everybody goes oh look at him but it also takes so little to be considered a shitty mum now that is true there is a lot of pressure on mums so mm. Do you have any kind of practical tips for how mums can begin to let themselves off the hook a little bit with that constant comparison culture? I think stop assuming that everyone else is A, judging you and B, has it together yes. when they probably don't. You know, the, the, the yummy mummy, I was going to say sexy, but the yummy mummy, the sexy yummy mummy at pickup, you know, who's wearing the, the perfect athletic outfit and has got the thigh gap, she's probably as stressed as everybody else. You know, she got those leggings out of the dirty clothes basket. She's been wearing them for three days now. She's hoping you don't notice the fact that her hair hasn't been washed. You know, we're just looking at her and going, wow, she's got it together. Don't assume that everyone else has got it together. And secondly, don't assume that they're judging you because, you know, we're all so compelled and so filled with our own inadequacies. Am I wearing the right outfit? Are the kids got, you know, the kids done their homework to the right standard or I was late for pickup or whatever, they're just getting their own stuff mm. together. They're not They're not actually judging you. They're probably thinking, oh, she likes, looks like fun. I wonder if she wants a gin after you know, yeah. <laughs> a five o'clock gin. And the other thing, and this is massive, is social media. And I think, you know, like we suffered in Melbourne through lockdown for months and months. And every time I looked at these perfect parents on social media who had these elaborate family dinners, you know, themed and they had their Mexican sombreros and five kids in a row with food they'd made from scratch. And my kids were in bedrooms not talking to each other and ordering Uber Eats, you know, and barely leaving their rooms. (laughs) That was as good as it got. You know, when my 17-year-old says, Mum, do you want me to... um, clean the driveway and I think oh he's just picking up his Uber Eats and doesn't want me to go with that <laughs> and you know the last thing I needed was to be looking at social media and I think we've actually got to yeah. block or unfriend uh, in the yeah. nicest possible way people that make us feel bad about ourselves you know all the social media influences 
I want to retain my sanity yeah. and find my daughter's mouth guard because it cost me 150 bucks. Yeah. Exactly, and there's Susie. A, there's a really important notion here that you bring up in your book as well, which is around anxiety and that anxiety is rising with kids. And sort of that thing of being of running from one to the next to the next to the next must certainly play a part in that as well. And, you know, anxiety is just skyrocketing at the moment and clinical anxiety amongst kids is doubled in the last four years and in adults it's now 16% of adults have clinical anxiety oh that's God. actually stopping them from doing normal daily things in kids at 7% and that's on a clinical level. There are a lot more kids who suffer from daily anxiety and, you know, I think we're just trying too hard to do too much and we're comparing ourselves to everyone else and their perfect lives their show real life on social media and you know i think it's too much we're actually one of the things that i've spent a lot of time writing about parenting um, for newspapers and we are doing much more work than our parents did on the whole. Not always, but on the whole. Definitely. We're more they time. did nothing. They did nothing. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, and we're also putting our hands up, you know, to do, to volunteer at the school and be on this committee and turn up to the basketball and be a ref and all the rest of it. And we don't have time to do the things that are actually important to us. I mean, a lot of mums in particular say they don't have time to have a bubble bath, let alone a glass of wine with a friend. Mm. And so what we are doing is cutting out on that social life. And in some people are actually cutting out like less work. They're leaving work early to take the kids to gymnastics. My parents would never have no, done it's that. True, no, it's true. We mind. would have fit it into them. Can I ask and, you one thing, Susie, before, before we go? Um, in your life, what, since you've had this half-assed parenting epiphany, has your are things calmer? Is your household happier? Yeah, it really is because I've just stopped caring so much about mm. the stuff that doesn't matter. You know what? I stopped my eleven-year-old from having to practice his guitar because I was—it was just driving me crazy. I'd have to listen to fifteen minutes of his his awful guitar playing, and he didn't like it. <laughs> he didn't really love it, but he wanted to keep going, and I felt compelled to make him practice. I've stopped making him practice. He doesn't pick up the guitar between lessons. No one's noticed. No one cares. Hey. It doesn't matter. And I just think, oh, that was a good one. I wish I'd thought of that five years ago. Susie, <laughs> just to finish, I'm really I'm curious about the use of the phrase half-assed, right? Because it's, it's definitely humorous and I can see the fun in it. But the other part of it is that th this is actually a really great and a really serious idea to try and push forward. So why... What, did you have alternatives to try and make it more medical sounding or did you just decide? <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, well, it's half it came, is a bit flippant, but it's actually, yeah. a, and it was intended to be humorous because I think, you know, if you're going to read a whole book about parenting, you actually want to be entertained yeah. and you want to be educated and you want to be informed. But you've got to have a laugh. Otherwise, you'll get to chapter two and you'll just give up. I wanted it to be fun and engaging and real life and lighthearted, but actually I want people to read it and feel that they come away having learned something about themselves or being challenged in some way. And I just thought half-assed, well, that's kind of me. I've been writing for years about half-assed Christmases, you know, where you underwhelm and you cut corners and you um, <laughs> diminish expectations. And so it just sort of was a good fit for me. I love it. Yeah, I love it. Um, I love it. 
Thank you so much, Susie. Uh, all of our listeners can find Half Asked Parenting by Dr. Susie O'Brien in all good bookshops, and we'll put a link in the show notes. Show notes, rather, not the show nuts. Show that nuts. would be weird. Right, let's, um, some, let's get some show nuts. <laughs> let's get some show nuts. Oh, I've got show nuts. <laughs> where are my nuts? But what I particularly love about the title of your book is where you say, Raising Kids with Half the Guilt and Twice the Joy, because yeah. I figure we could all do with as much joy as we can get our hands on at the moment. Absolutely. Thank you both so much. Thanks, Susie. Thank you, Susie. Nailed it. You failed it. It's Nailed and Failed Time, Andrew Dado. It's that bit of the show where we share what we got right or wrong this week and you can also think about yours. Yes. So it's alluded to at the beginning, our youngest daughter is in HSC, has her licence and can drive to school. And so she can – and Jackie doesn't drive. She rides her bicycle to school. So Jazzy turns around and says every night, is anyone using the car tomorrow because I'll just drive to school. Wow. I know. So and all your kids are driving now. Oh, yeah. And yeah. so – and 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 sometimes I get kind of agitated at the thought of having to leave a car outside of school for the whole day. Now, I don't need the car because I've got my old car, mm-hmm. old Holden, the beater, um, which I'm more than happy to drive unless it's raining and then – but it's seen, I'm trapped in this old-fashioned thing of, you know, bloody kids should, you mm-hmm. know, get the bus and ride your bike. And, and, and the fail is that I get agitated maybe once a week on this whole question of... Do lots of kids drive to school? Yes. This is really interesting to me because I did not grow up in an environment no. where that was anything like normal. I know. And she's driving... A, it's not her car. It's our car. So it's Well, not, I'm sure lots of the kids are driving their parents' cars, yeah. right? So it's not that. It's just the fact that it just... It seems to go against my normal sensibility to just get yourself to school. Like we walk to school, and I, and I and this is one of the things I wonder about: are, are we too easy on our kids? You know, do we give them to? to is that half-ass thing? Do we Does give them? Does she give too all much? her friends lifts, or is it like literally she just gets in the car uh, and goes to school? And yeah, or she that? no, I think she just drives there, and you know, it's a couple of days she's late, so that makes sense. And I'm mean, like, you know, whatever, it, it, it's fine. It's not a. My voice is going up, I know. But, um, but it's <laughs> I just understand. An, it's a really interesting dilemma because, like, it's that thing of – and this is where that half-assed question is a really good one because, like, we want to give our kids the best. Like, we really do. I, I really want to give them the best. And then sometimes I think I should be giving them a struggle so they have to – Mate, See what it's like to actually... If we now think that catching the bus to school is a struggle, Why then no? I think that no. conversation we well, just had about right. half-assed parenting yeah. is very pertinent. Yeah. No, I think, you're, <laughs> I, think you're, I think that's a really good point. So, Wow. Um, I mean, I, don't, I think it's fine for her to drive. To, well, of course she can do what she wants or what you want, but I, I agree with you. It's something weird to me about high school kids driving to school, yeah. unless you live in the bush. Yeah. Oh. But then, the, like Felix drove to school because he'd go to rowing in the morning, and then you know, oh. so he'd have to. So that made sense. You've set a precedent. But that set in a, a precedent. Then Bibby never drove, never once didn't drive to school. Mm. So then it's like, well, now, geez. So that, that's my dilemma. Maybe someone could help with that. Yes, that tell Andrew great. whether or not it's okay. We need a mentor. I also need some help. Oh yeah, parenting mentor. So we have had a roller coaster in our house the last couple of weeks because. We've been talking for a while about moving out of town and we thought we were going to do it, right? Oi. So we thought we'd found a house and we were going to do it. And so we started warming up the kids to this idea that they might be moving schools. Where to? Oh, I can't tell you. Okay, no worries. But we, um, 
It's all fall, it's all fallen Broken over hill. anyway, so it's not happening, Aww. which is sad. But anyway, the thing that I would love your thoughts and other people's thoughts on is obviously my daughter's in year six. So she's in her last year of primary, she's always been in the same primary. She's she's 11, so she's all about her friends. And so her first reaction when I said, and we have talked about it around the house for a while, but when I said it might actually be, you know, we're really seriously thinking we might move and you would be moving schools, floods of tears. Of course, of course. right? Like I don't want to leave my friends. I don't want to leave year six. I don't want, you know, I'm vice captain and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like totally fine. And so I was like, okay, we'll leave it for a couple of days and then I'll come back at it from another position. And slowly I chipped away at this poor girl until she was like, okay, maybe it will be fun. And I even used some bribery, like maybe you could actually get a phone. (laughs) Holly. So you could talk to your friends. That was a weak moment, wasn't it? You've been so strong. I know. That's a good note. That's fair enough. But that's a good reason to get a phone. And the thing is, but so anyway, they finally, the kids decided this is a great idea and now it's all fallen through. So we're like, okay, so now we're not moving. Mm. We're not moving out of town, but it's a possibility, a live possibility. I would love a bit of wisdom about how you get kids on board with a big life decision that they are not on board with. Got any thoughts on that? Uh, I would, uh, well, we went to America when we were kids and mum and dad sat us down at the table and then said, dad made a speech and said, we're moving to America. And Bindi was in like year 11 and Jesus, it was on, right? It was terrible. (laughs) But they didn't say anything until it was happening. Maybe I should have done that. No, I think. But I thought I should bring them along on the decision. Yes, yes, on the field of dreams, the broken, (laughs) shattered field of dreams. No, but what what you've done is what Jackie has done successfully with me for our entire 29 years together is she suggests an idea that I'm uncomfortable with. And then I and then it doesn't happen that time, but it might happen two or three times later. Right. And by then I'm just oh yeah, whatever, you know. Introduce it back away. Introduce yeah. it again. So I don't know if I nailed or failed this, but I'd love to know what people think about like how much to in- involve kids in those big decisions. Because mm. at first Matilda was like no, and I was like, well, surely she doesn't actually get to decide. No, she doesn't get to decide. Um, but then also, how do you bring her along? So I would love all your feedback on this, please. It'll help me. You guys are much smarter than I am. You, I'll jump into the um, Mama Mia Parents Facebook group and post about it. People can help me there too. That would be great. Do you think they get to decide? They get to no, say? No. I, I mean, I think you don't want – I would hate – it was making me feel terrible when she was really unhappy about the idea. It was making me feel terrible and I thought, oh, I don't want to ruin her life and I can't drag her somewhere. But I kind of pressed some easy buttons about how I thought it might work. Mm. Anyway, I'd love to know, how much do they decide? It's like about schools. How much does she get to say what high school she goes in? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, we'll talk about that another time. <clears throat> that is it for this glorious mess wow, this week. we covered some ground, Tom. We really did. If you're looking to sink your ears into a new podcast, why not listen to our latest season of Lady Startup Stories? It's changed. It's hosted by Georgia Love. She talks to interesting women who've started businesses about all kinds of things that you need to know if you're considering going out on your own. Take a little listen. I'm Georgia Love, and last year I became a lady startup when I launched my business, Georgia Elliott Sleepwear. Becoming an entrepreneur was something I never thought I would do. So now I am one. 
I have a lot of questions. What was the very first thing you did? What do you wish someone had told you? At what you? point did it start making money for you? Oh my you? God, how terrifying. A random person just came out of nowhere almost and changed the direction of your life. That's why I'm hosting Mamma Mia's podcast, Lady Startup Stories. If you've ever wondered how to build a business, what it's like being your own boss, or are just curious about how women have built their brands, then this is the podcast for you. Every week, I'll be speaking to a lady startup about how they got their business off the ground and what tips they'd share. So if you're a lady startup or you're interested in learning about how busy women have built their businesses, subscribe to the Lady Startup Stories podcast in your favorite podcast app. This Glorious Mess Big Kids is brought to you by Mamma Mia. This episode is produced by Michaela Floriano. Have an amazing week. We'll see you later. Bye. Bye. Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of the land we have recorded this podcast on, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures.